Brian. Welcome back to the Election Board Game. I'm your host, Adam Collins, and with me today is producer and author John Michael Garapy. How you doing, John Michael? I'm doing great. How you doing, Adam? I'm hanging in there. Uh, it's going to be an interesting week. We'll have the thunderstorms, but they keep pushing them day by day <laughs> further out into the week. It always makes it hard to plan, so I just leave my umbrella in the car and one in the office and hope for the best. Yeah. No, it's it's been... Uh... Heck of humid around here. I just live between two swamps, so. <laughs> I think I live in the swamp. In St. Louis, I always say it equates like living in an armpit. <laughs> it's no fun anyways. So, John, Michael, how'd you get into gaming? Um, well, I've been gaming ever since uh, I was a little kid. My mom used to uh, wallpaper, and she dragged me along with her. And there's only so many books you can read um, while you're waiting for your mom to pick up wallpaper. And... Uh, Eventually, at some point in time, she, we had brought puzzles in, and I'd play puzzles, but it would only last so long. But she knew I liked board games, and she'd keep picking up Milton Bradley specials, and I'd bring them in with me. And I'd play Monopoly, and I'd play Upwards by myself, and I'd play uh, Screaming Eagles. And like every single game I could get my hands on, I'd just play them by myself over and over again. If I was lucky, there'd be a kid there or there'd be a dog there, but it was highly unlikely um, it was just, it was oftentimes just me picking up the, the leavings of whatever she left behind and me stuck in a room with a board game included. Oh man. I almost want to completely tear into, uh, have you ever come across uh, the game? No respect by Rodney Dangerfield out of curiosity. <laughs> no, I'm familiar with Rodney Dangerfield and his catch line. But... Uh, there, there's some really terrible Milton Bradley games that came out in the late eighties and early nineties. And this one really takes the cake. Uh, it's, it's a game as Roddy Dangerfield in the front cover. It's got a couple of Roddy Dangerfield jokes on it. And then the board itself is like a number of plastic discs with numbers on it. And you're supposed to just build a chain of numbers going to the center of like higher amounts. And you can stop your opponent by like putting a disc of a certain number. But it's the most boring game you could possibly imagine for a man, <laughs> for Rodney Dangerfield. It's like Rodney Dangerfield went up to Milton Bradley and said, I want a game with no respect. And they gave him exactly what he asked for. <laughs> so he's like, no, no, that was supposed to be the name, not a game of no respect. <laughs> no, no, here's a board and some pieces. You figure it out yourself. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, anyhow, don't look it up. <laughs> <laughs> Too late. It's already on the notepad. <laughs> oh my gosh. So you're a producer. You do a couple different shows. Yes. Um, Popcorn I, I, Roulette. I do and... Popcorn Roulette, in which we, I ask a friend to come on the show and uh, suggest a movie. I talk with them. I go watch the movie. I talk to them about the movie. And it's a bit of a review but it's also a bit of an interview show because it's really a lot of the times it's about people's favorite movies and it's, to some extent it's a chance to get in in the head of what people are thinking when they're when they approach and when they like movies uh and like i try to pull out a philosophy question every now and then somewhere towards the middle because i think it's just fun to like get like general reactions of like well what is home like just get those sort of questions <laughs> out of people you know um oh. But also I have Say Hello to Blackjack, which is a, a, a strange one. Oh, I'm going to forget his name. I, I hate myself for, getting, for forgetting his name. But there's a manga author. Back in 2000, he wrote a manga about uh, doctors and the, and the political system that was the medical system in general. Uh, and this one doctor's trying to do right. But at the same exact time, uh, he had he is constantly being pulled down to reality by his hospital that says, like, no, we can't afford to do things this way. We need to be the ones that are in control and not the family. That's sort of those sorts of issues. Um, and uh, he released his work to the public domain like five years ago. And I was like, oh, I've been wanting to make a podcast. I'm going to make a podcast out of this. You gave me a green flag to actually to have a script to work with. So, yeah, no, we got two seasons of Say Hello to Blackjack out there. Um, and uh, it's it's a great little if you're into if you're into medical audio drama, that's also a manga, but in an audio format. <laughs> Seems like a very finite. Niche it, is, right there. it is. This is this really small <laughs> filter. These the few people who do love it, love it. And everybody else is like, what the hell are you talking about? You know, well, that's um, interesting. <laughs> it's interesting. It's interesting that he would release it to the public domain after like five years or fifteen I, I, years. Ago. I wish other people actually realized like the life cycle of my work is now complete, and uh, I would just like 
to have pe people keep working on this while it's done, you know, but uh, unfortunately, you know, it's going to take a long time before people actually get that into their heads as being like a way to go, because it's always like, as soon as somebody says, but you could profit from it in the future, that's, that's the, <laughs> that's the mind killer. That's the thing that actually gets you in the end, you know, it's like capitalism at its best. Yeah. So you have a Kickstarter on yes. Kickstarter right now. Right called winning streak and it's a book yeah uh it's tales and trivia of the 40 most popular board games according to according to ranker which is the <laughs> worst possible source for this information <laughs> here's how bad ranker is ranker is so bad that um they originally started off like if you go to like the worst presidents of all time on ranker it's it's people just going on and clicking up and down it will almost always be the most recent president is worst and the previous president was wor it was second worst and the third previous because people just they vote what they they know you know what i mean and a lot of rancor is just what people have been exposed to and uh so a lot of the board games on this list is been is is mostly about what has risen to the top over thousands of years and we're sitting here in 2021 and now we're taking a, I'm taking a look at like what games do people recognize and what people games do people recognize above and beyond because a game like Pandemic isn't terribly popular with the general public, but still has broken through off of the opinion of hobbyists to get enough upvotes to push up into this list anyways, despite the fact that there are games like Boggle, which didn't make the cut, you know, it beat out games that people, uh, the, the general public is recognized. So there's a big mix in here uh, of games from like right now to like back to like the year 4000 uh, BC, you know? Well, I did, I did enjoy, I, I read the book uh, yeah. cover to cover and of the 40 games, I had played 28 of them and I had, and I own 21 yeah. of them. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> But only one of them had I owned that I haven't played yet. So I was like, that's pretty good. You know? <laughs> My shelf of shame is pretty big, but only one game was on the top 40 that I owned that I haven't played yet. So There is a lot of games that, like, hobbyists in general are, like, ashamed to even admit <laughs> that that would actually be in, in, in their collection. I mean, like, Sorry's on this list. And I have that. You have, you have Sorry. I have trouble. You have trouble. I have. Uh, I also have a, a nine-year-old, so... Yeah. I mean, I should also say, uh, because people... It's not just those games either. There's there's Power Grid in there. There's Carcassonne in there. There's... Uh, I know you asked people whether or not you pronounce it Catan or... Uh, or <laughs> I can't even say it the other way. That's right. It's it's Catan. It doesn't matter what the other it's, way it's is. It's not. It's neither. It's Settlers of Catan. It, yeah. It needs the Settlers part. I don't know why they chopped that off. <laughs> I think it's for name recognition, so they can put it really big on the box, just Catan. Yeah. And then they put real small, like, you know, Settlers of or Expansion 2. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there were some good games on there. Uh, there's some games that I, I personally, I love King of Tokyo. I think it's one of my, one yeah. of the, the best games as far as easy to teach, fast to learn, quick to play, and accessible, and accessible to so many people. It's just, it's such a, a great gateway game that I started playing it with my cousins years ago. And now I'm known as the cousin that brings King of Tokyo to the family get togethers. I mean, I a hundred percent agree. One of the, one of the beautiful things is the, I, I know it sounds silly because you would think that the whole entire point behind board games is you can play it right out of the box. Like that should be the feel, but like so many games are just like, Oh, I need to spend the weekend learning about this game and figuring it out and then convincing people to learn the rules with me. And I absolutely love those games. I love every single type of board game that's out there, but I mean, I can really appreciate a game that's done a fine job explaining itself in one page, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I told the story before, but like with my son, he was three when I got the game, my brother bought it for me for Christmas and I just kind of opened it up, kind of set the pieces out in front of me, had the rules. And my son climbs up in my lap and says, I want to learn. I'm like, okay. So I read him the rules and he promptly beat me a two games straight. <laughs> so at that point I thought, 
this game's broken, you know. I'm not playing it right, or there's something there's something wrong with this game. That's all luck, you know. <laughs> this game is stupid. Uh, but we still play it. We've got the sister game, King of New York. So one thing I will say about your book, it made me it gave me a, a book idea, but I, I'm gonna need your help. Okay. I think we should I think we should review every ticket to ride out there. Oh good luck. <laughs> There's so many. It's crazy. Oh my gosh. I mean, like, I knew I, there were a lot, but good grief. You're not kidding. There are so many. It's, it's, it's absolutely absurd. I, I, in my ticket to ride section, obviously you went through my book. So like I went through all the homemade expansions and found, that's what the, I'm talking about. I found the really weird ones that are out there. There's, there were more really weird ones. I was just only so many that I really felt like these seemed to be the ones that really grabbed me. But, <laughs> But like just the normal ones, Ticket to Ride has like just thirteen or something, some some absurd number, and then yeah. like to have like an expansion where like oh there's an alien and a monkey running around. I had that. the T Rex, <laughs> Alvin and Dexter. I had it. I played it twice. It's so overpowering. It's insane. Is it really? You, you can really run the game with it. And so uh, I play a lot at lunch, which is the purpose of my podcast, right? And we play a lot at lunch. We played it twice. And the person who just sat down and just played to just maximize Alvin and Dexter just ran away with the game. I do think, I think we, I think we need to actually, at this point, we need to actually break through the other side because it's clear that Ticket to Ride is one of those games that like anybody can make an expansion for it. Anybody, all somebody has to do is make a map and maybe a few more rules if you wanted to do something like that. So that we need to actually push to the other side and just be like, all right, we're just going to make a Ticket to Ride community and we're just going to pump these things out and make (laughs) as many maps as we can for as many weird and strange and exotic locations we can. I I think my favorite one on there was the space. (laughs) (laughs) Like it just makes no sense. I mean, okay. Let's say let's take away the trains and let's assume let's pretend the trains are spaceships. But sure. still, planets are moving. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like it's called space, but it's one hundred percent in our solar system, which makes it even weirder. Um, with a few oh. black holes and a UFO kicking around for funsies. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I when I read that one, I was like, what? Yeah, well, I had to. I had to click the link and go look at it, and I'm like, "This is ridiculous." There was a couple of that I actually pulled because I was being not so kind. Like it was actually gone a little bit too far into the other direction, and I was like, <laughs> "You know what? There's a there's a point where it's just like this is somebody else's hobby too, and this is something they love, and it's not. I shouldn't be attacking them. You know what I mean? I'm sure space. I didn't feel so bad about because like they must know it's absurd what they just proposed, you know? <laughs> I like mean, the, the way the poo one's not great either. <laughs> no, I mean, the person who put forward tickets for ride Hawaii must understand there are no trains in Hawaii. You don't go back and forth between the islands on trains. Especially know? out into the water. <laughs> yeah, just <laughs> plowing through, going, zigzagging between volcanoes. Don't, That's not how don't it mind, works. Don't mind the ocean. <laughs> it moves for trains. Yeah. Oh. But that was one of my favorite. Oh my gosh. I read across that and I'm like, man, how funny would it be if we played like all the fan expansions and just like what's good, what's bad about it? Like what's the longest route? What's, you know, just I'm down like, for it. I really want them like to really take it way too seriously. You know, I want like, to take all these custom maps and just have like this one giant tournament and everybody's <laughs> just playing and they're yeah. all on these different maps. And somebody's on Belgium over there and somebody else is all the way over there in New Zealand and they're all figuring it out, but someone is stuck in space. <laughs> yeah. Somebody's like, guys, guys, hello. Oh my gosh, that just that that floored me. Like I I so I've downloaded the Sodor when my kids are big fans of uh Thomas the Tank. That's great, yeah. So I have the Sodor when even over the pandemic the Age of Wonders, they actually released a print and play called the Stay at Home edition. And it's actually like a house floor plan. Oh nice. And so you have to get like from the kitchen to the bathroom or yeah. from that dad's office to sister's bedroom. And so and then it even has another rule variant, like you're saying. So it even has like these uh, multicolored tracks and you have to match it. And it, it's, it's actually really great. Yeah. My son and I played that early in the pandemic 
And I was like, man, this is pretty solid. And that's when, and I already knew there were some existing ridiculous fan made. One of my favorites at the long time ago that I came across was, was the Antarctica one. Yeah. Because obviously there's a whole bunch of trains in Antarctica. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> Historically one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> From like a base camp to a tent. <laughs> yeah. And I just, man, I, I, I'm glad you wrote that chapter, not me, because I'd have gone down that rabbit hole and probably still be down that rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I wish I wish I was the guy who came up with a ticket to ride is like just a license to print money. Somebody decided like, hey, rummy plus a map and just broke the dam- uh, broke it right open. I I feel bad because it's like nobody else can do that without actually somebody saying, oh, you just remade ticket to ride. And it's like, yes, I did. It's rummy plus a map. It's great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but it's fun because like so but it's funny how you you say that but like it really does happen. So like the game that my partner and I made which was Fences, it's a tile laying game and everybody's like, "Oh, it's like Carcassonne." Yeah. Well, I mean, it in the essence that it's tiles being played and connected and you're trying to enclose things then sure. But then at that point like you're saying every game's already made unless you come up with something, you know, I will say we used to have a running gag way back in the day. I first started doing I, I've been on like three separate uh, board game review podcasts, but all three are defunct now. So that doesn't really matter much. But we first <laughs> So I heard with, in your video. Oh, man, it, it's it's so sad. I, I think I've, re- I've reviewed over 300 games for these three podcasts, but they're gone. So in the Myriad Game Session Impressions podcast we used to do, we when we first starting, we're we're all kind of like new to the idea of hobby board games and we're new to like podcasting and whatnot. And every single time we reviewed something at some point in time, we'd mention risk and we'd compare something to risk. And eventually it just became a running gag because we knew how bad that was somewhere in like episode 15 or 16. We're like, yeah, but so how is this like risk? (laughs) (laughs) That's a good idea. Oh, risk the poor game. Yeah, no, it's unfortunate. It's it's. I, I mean, I love it in of the fact that it gets people playing board games. I absolutely adore the fact that risk is is that gateway that a lot of people would never end up hitting the rest of the hobby without it. But sometimes you just have to like grit your teeth and be like, yeah, no, I'll play a game of risk with you. <laughs> oh, I mean, I've got risk. I mean, I've got Monopoly. I love Monopoly. I'll still well, play I mean, games I Monopoly. Monopoly. Yeah, same here. Uh, I mean, it's it's all about that one big trade in the center. It's, I don't know many other games that like all hinge on like the one turn that isn't even a turn. You know, the, the, the one negotiation where somebody makes a Monopoly and somebody else gets a few trains and $500, you know, and the game just spirals out of control. It is the ultimate game of like king making. Is the easiest game to king make with. If you, oh, absolutely! If, if if you have like hard eyes for a girl, <laughs> and you hate your friends, <laughs> <laughs> oh no, honey, here you go. <laughs> oh no, five dollars like, is a good deal. Like two hundred bucks for Boardwalk. I mean, I you know I I I, well, I just I mortgaged it. I got my money back. <laughs> yeah, we're good. Solid. <laughs> So uh, I came across your Kickstarter and as soon as I said, or as soon as I saw that it was a book, I'm like, well, I'm back in this. Yeah. And then, uh, cause I, I read a lot about board game, board game design, board game history, board game strategy. It doesn't matter. I just, yeah. I consume a lot of board game stuff. And then I watched your Kickstarter video and I was like, and I got to reach out to this guy to talk to him. Cause this guy is crazy. Like I am. So yeah. So for those of you who haven't already, and it will be linked in the show notes, go look at Winning Streak on Kickstarter. Definitely watch the video. It's a riot. And that's why John Michael is on my show right now. Is because <laughs> thank, that... you, thank you. So. I will say this yeah. much, though. Um, when, when searching for books uh, to compare my book to on Kickstarter, um, I think I did a general search for like board games and books. There is a surprising dearth of actual people writing books about board games out there. Um, I, I'm kind of on this minor mission to try to get people to write more about board games, not to, I mean, like the blogging and reviewing the stuff I've been doing all along is also great. No, no problems there. There's always going to be a need for that, but damn, we need more people to, to sit down and take all their reviews and try to make a 
book out of it because there there just isn't as much. If you wanted to go out and find a book about movie reviews, it'd be easy. If you want to find a book about board game reviews, just a book about it, it's it's tough, you know? You really got to dig. Yeah. But, I mean, my son and I, so I started reading to him at night board game books. <laughs> <laughs> and it started with Erin Dean, who was on my show a while back, and her book that I bought off a of Kickstarter. Yeah. And it's called For Love of Board Games. And she talks to all these board game designers about how they got into designing games and all this stuff. And so as we just kind of read through it and my, and my son was really digging it. And so we just kind of like, you know, I was like, well, I got a whole bunch of board game books I've been meaning to read. So yeah. our nighttime bedtime stories became reading about board games. Oh, that's fun. And yeah. Yeah. And there's, there's a, there is a, like there need, there should be more. Um, I kind yeah. of delved off, dove off, not delved. It's the wrong direction. I dove off into uh, some of the other books like creating board game groups, uh, how to host a game night, that sort of thing. And so just fun little side trips along the way. But, man, I mean, I, I do wish there were more because I think I'm running out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which my wife's probably happy for because she's like probably tired of all these books showing up. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I remember this being, and this, this happens, I'm trying to combine multiple things in my head simultaneously. That's, that's where the pileup happens. But like, as a kid going around in my library, I loved, I, I want to say Dewey Decimal 742 to 746. I'm off here. It's somewhere around there is where the board game stuff is. And the, uh, the chess stuff is kicking around there and the card game stuff. 792. I haven't been inside the library in a little while, and that's on me. But <laughs> um, yeah, 92 to 94 is like games of skill and games of chance. Mm-hmm. Um, but like at the same exact time, I remember so many of these books being just analytical takes on just being like what best moves are or something like that. And very little to do with like culture uh, of like the board game experience. Or they'd be like a book on Monopoly or a book about Pac-Man. And that'd be about the rough extent of that. Uh, the book about Pac-Man, avoid the ghosts. <laughs> oh man. The, there's actually multiple books about Pac-Man back in the day that like <laughs> tried to examine ghost pattern <laughs> movements, which is just well beyond what most people, it's like writing a book about Rubik's cube. It's like, guys, there's like, there's a small list of instruction here. You don't need a full book, how to solve it. <laughs> it's, but, a Rubik's cube is simple to solve. You peel off all the stickers and put them back on. Yeah. You give them, to, you give it to somebody else and you pay them yeah. five bucks. <laughs> I have a friend. I can hand him my Rubik's cube and he can do it while talking to me. And he's like, hey. <laughs> it's just a pattern. It's the way he tells me. It's just a pattern. I'm like, well, I can't remember. Well, it, so. Yeah. <laughs> it's no pattern. I know. It's just like uh, playing 21 is just card counting. But I, I can't. I, my head's not going to be in the game <laughs> the entire time. I'm going to have a whiskey in one hand and, and somebody talking to me the other ear. And it's I'm going to lose count <laughs> very, very fast. Guaranteed. Yeah. I, 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 I don't know if I'm actually, I'm actually bad at board games, by the way. <laughs> hey, I'm terrible about I'm terrible at board games. And yeah. I, I track my board gaming on an app, which which proves I'm terrible at board gaming. <laughs> I have a I have an app that tells me I'm bad at it. I have a son that tells me I'm bad at it. I have friends, but I love to play. It's not going to stop well, I, me. It almost seems like I think the games I'm worst at are the ones I seem to like the most. Actually, it's the ones I, that I feel like I'm still learning something from, you know. And I'm just like fighting to to I'm I'm actively fighting the way the game wants. The game wants me to combo, and I'm like, no, I'm going to do a little bit of everything, and I'm going to win that way. Well, it's like the other one is like you win a bunch, you win a game a bunch of times. You're like, I'm going to buy this game. And then once you buy it, you never win it again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really good at this game. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm not. No. <laughs> oh, so if I came to your house in Massachusetts right now. Yes. Yes. What is your favorite game currently on your table? Fiasco's always been the go-to. I always try to get people to drag people into that. Have you come across Fiasco, by the way? It's a role-playing game. It's not actually a traditional board game. I do know what you're talking about. I have not played it. I have seen the books. I just haven't. It's, it's, It's a game without a dungeon master. It plays about two hours like it's a movie. And it's like a Coen brother movie where everybody gets together 
and they are their own worst enemy, which is one of the major reasons why it doesn't need a dungeon master, because it presumes we're all going to end up uh, doing something terrible to ourselves, and in the end, we're all going to get our own comeuppance. You know, it has a second act break, which in which you roll for something, and it's like, oh, well, everything's on fire, and the cops are on to you. So, like, it kind of changes. It makes sure that things are going bad. It's got a certain pool of dice where, like, people push positive or negative dice on you to tell you like if this scene is going well or if it's going poorly so and uh and uh is very good at like building relationships with with between characters without actually making them without telling you what to do um so as far as games are concerned it's always my favorite because i've never seen a group get together and play it and not get it after a little while but there is Hmm. that sort of uh, process of getting it because a lot of people come to role-playing games from like a Dungeons and Dragons sort of thing of uh, being like we're kind of used to there being a dungeon master and somebody in control and I'm rolling a bunch of dice and that ain't happening and a lot of people don't know you know play acting itself is kind of off the table but Fiasco does a very good job being like it keep pushing you to be like no no things are going poorly like the whole point of this game is they're gonna go poorly and worse. <laughs> what do you think a fiasco is? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's my daily life. So, in a sense, like I, I've seen games where people come on, know nothing about games, know nothing about role playing games, and they start like trying to build bridges and solve problems, and then the game's just like, no, this this is gonna turn into a a, a fight. You guys are gonna start arguing, and then they have to be like, oh, I guess I'm arguing with you, and that we did not resolve all our problems. Get out of here, screw you. <laughs> this game isn't um, called peace; it's called fiasco. <laughs> so it's been great. So it's been great like that. That's the one that's actually uh, that I'm always playing. As as to what's out right now, if you came to my house, you've been defining Axis and Allies because. <laughs> It's it's the only game that's in the book that uh, uh, that I had not played since the 20th century. Oh um, man! And I just wanted to play Axis and Allies again, so I just bought myself a copy of Axis and Allies. We played it on our on our Friday night uh, board game play group, and uh, everybody came in a little bit late that night. It was 10:30. We played three rounds. The game ended in three rounds, and it ended at 5:30 at night. <laughs> like. I remember being like, it takes forever to set up and people just sit there and they mull over their decisions. And then like, it takes so long to play around though. It's like, but it can't possibly be that bad. I've played so many board games since the 1990s. Like, no, still that bad. (laughs) I mean, it's a great game, but like, it's a very different type of great. It's like, it's, it's like a form of torture you enjoy. I don't, I don't understand. (laughs) I love it. You know, I had a friend that it was his game and man, he just, he always wanted to be the Axis powers, always wanted to be Germany, and like all you got is a hammer, every problem's like a nail. So like yeah. he always had one strategy, and it's like, well, all you do is minimize that one strategy, and then you just kind of ran him over. Because he would work so hard on building up Germany, he'd forget about Japan. Yeah. So he just kind of sweep over, take Japan. Yeah, I might lose England. Right. But I got a big Russia now. And you know, then you just move to America in and it's over. So there was I, I played many, many, many games of Axis and Allies. Like you said, start playing late at night, into the early morning. But we'd leave it out on the floor and then yeah. go more yards and do all of our chores and then come back and play some more. Do everything you can to make sure the cat doesn't end up in the room. <laughs> Good news was he was allergic to cats. So the cat, there were no cats at his house, where at my house there was always cats. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so you said uh, you work third shift. Yes. So do you play lunch time games with your coworkers? No, actually, I you know I spend a lot of time reading during my lunch shift. That's actually one of the main reasons why my coworkers wouldn't play games with me anyways. I work with a bunch of old men, and if I was lucky, maybe I could convince them into a game of hearts. But um, cribbage, go get cribbage. them some cribbage. Got, 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 a, got a pull to their level, you know like what what they're hey, interested in, you know. Whatever, yeah, start there and build. <laughs> But my, like, my son and I have really gotten into cribbage and backgammon lately. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Around here, we have a game by the name of 45s, which is incredibly local. It is just Merrimack Valley, and occasionally it pops up in uh, in other, like, it's like there might be a guy who plays it in Scotland and somebody in Minnesota sort of thing. But, like, it's very much like if you ask somebody what card game they play within this group of six cities, they'll be like, oh, we're playing 45s. 
Like they don't know how to play hearts or spades or anything like that. And, like maybe they know <laughs> poker, but like 45s is the game to play. It's what everybody I, plays around I here. I grew up in Indiana. It was always Euchre. Yeah, Euchre. And when I left Indiana, I'm like, what do you mean? You don't know how to play Euchre? I've been playing Euchre since I could like, probably before I could even talk. What do you mean you yeah. can't play Euchre, you know? But Euchre's at least in books. I don't, I've never seen 45s appear in any card game. You book. can find it in Hoyles. It is in Hoyles um, called Auction 45s. Um, but it's, it is, it is this weird, sh- like, Hey, you've got a copy of Hoyles right there, huh? <laughs> I do. It's <laughs> great. Holy cow, auction 45. There you go. You found it. Page 104. It's actually, here's here's your little piece of trivia. It's called 45. <laughs> it's called 45 because the name is half French. It's actually Forte Fives. It means strong fives uh, because <laughs> the five is the, is the uh, most powerful card. What do you call that? The trump card, I guess, except, you know, there's trumps also in that game. So. But like, yeah, no, it's all about it's all about how you bid in that game. It's got a little bit of like a poker feel because you only have five cards and then everybody's bidding to figure out who has the best hand. So not that anybody listening to us can see this, <laughs> but the game listed right underneath 45 is Euchre. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nothing like a story coming all the way back around. <laughs> it's just like, shove this someplace in Hoyles. Put them all with the in in the and also some people play these games back oh, in the year 1900. Man. You know <laughs> that's hilarious. So if you could get these old guys to play games with you, what 60 minute go to game would you try? Oh, between between these games or just in general, I um, I don't know. I I like as for like trying to just jump people into a 60 minute game. Or just, I like or just if you if you had a group of people that yeah. you were going to play a 60 minute game gamers like or whatever but it's right. 60 minutes i like pulling out dice town um it's uh that the uh, poker hand dice game where people are trying to get the most types of dice and then going in and taking little things off uh uh, uh i don't know i just i just enjoy uh like how how easy that is to get in how uh, for like a lot of different people um and i'm generally never really un- upset with a game of dice town but like, I don't know. Um, I've always been curious about that game. There's a couple expansions for it. And I like games that have expansions just because yeah. I like to like really spend a lot of money on a game. <laughs> <laughs> I will say part of the problem with Dice Town, though, is, is like if you uh, if you play with too many people, like there's an option for like. So the way you do it is you you roll a bunch of poker dice, you make decisions, you put some money in the pot and whatnot, and then you roll them again. And you're trying to make. In theory, you're trying to make the best hand, but you're also like the person with the most nines gets something, the most person with the most tens gets something, person with the most jacks gets something, going down the line. And then eventually you get to Dr. Uh, Bad Luck. And if you didn't get anything previously, you get a little bonus. Problem is, Dr. Bad Luck's bonuses are actually pretty good. <laughs> so it really does encourage people to be like, oh, looks like I did terrible again. <laughs> Oh, darn. <laughs> the more people you play with, the more likely that's going to happen. It's just like, oh, I didn't get anything. Oh, well. It's it's a fun game. I don't know. I've noticed a lot of games don't play. So this is part of the problem. Games I play tend to play 30 minutes or two hours. Like the one hour <laughs> games, I are, are there are all these games on the shelf that say they're an hour. But like I don't know many of them that I've actually played and sat down for an hour and played this game, you know. Well, we started um, off with Katana, my office, and Katan, yeah, Katana's like an hour game. You give everybody, if you give everybody, well, I think the box says an hour, but I think you, yeah. But what we found is if you give everybody a set of dice, yeah, the game goes so much faster because you're not chasing the dice around. Right, right. Everybody's got their dice, or you get two sets, so, so two, you know, so you know, two pair can share the dice. That sped the game up so much for us. Yeah. Which I would also like to say, as part of your book, yeah, your development cards are a great idea. Oh, thank you. Yeah. And when I'm lucky enough to interview Klaus Teuber, which will probably never happen. <laughs> but if it does, I'm going to pitch that idea because I think that... They need to be playtested, obviously. But yeah. Well, yeah, I got to play. I did. I downloaded them today. I will definitely be printing them off and uh, playing with them. But 
the idea of the night cards not just being a night card but a night card and something else is such a good idea that it's almost crazy to me that there hasn't been some expansion to Catan that does that. Yeah. Yeah. With all the expansions and all the scenarios and variants and everything that's been added to that game. I am amazed that somebody hasn't, you know, Klaus or whoever. Right. Hasn't come out and said, here's a new deck of development cards. The idea is, is great because I like how you even talked about it saying like, it's, it's not just a catch-up mechanic anymore. It, it's something. It gives you a reason to go after development cards, even if you're in the lead, because you can, you know, getting the night card when you're just trying to dig out those victory point cards. Right, right. That is the thing that always bugged me about Kachan, because like as a catch-up mechanic, it's also a hole. You know, like it mm-hmm. can send you even further away from where the game is going. You know, it's like I'm not going to build anymore. I'm going to try to catch up. Oh, these aren't helping. You know. Right. Great, I got seven knights and I'm, you know, I got five knights and I still don't have longest or largest army and right, right. wasted all those resources. And yeah, I I liked it. I thought that was a good idea. I downloaded it. I can't wait to give it a play test. But that's part of your book too. That was pretty cool. I I, I mean, I love Catan. It's what got me into gaming. It's what got my, my office into gaming. And it's really gone absolutely crazy since then. But the idea of the the knights doing something was was really cool. Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm rather glad you appreciate that because uh, <laughs> I was very afraid that I was boring a lot of readers by like, oh, I'm just gonna do like a design clinic right now in the middle of this game fun uh, a book about uh, about games. Um, no, and uh, so I, I put I put a disclaimer in front of that section. <laughs> oh no, I, I I so I downloaded. So the funny thing is, I downloaded them. Yeah. read through them and then i read that section i'm like well man i could have just skipped this whole section i already read all the cards but whatever yeah. so you said you like 30 minute games what are what are your go-to 30 minute games uh well i like playing splendor because i lose all the time at it i, I am so good at losing that this. game <laughs> i'm not even sure i've ever won that game i i i, I don't know if i've won splendor either see this we're right on the same. What would end up happening if we played a game together? We'd be so confused. Somebody would have to win. <laughs> We'd just fall asleep. <laughs> it gets to the end. I was like, oh no, someone yeah. might win. <gasps> and just yeah. gone. It's like the end of the world happened. What happened? Who won? I don't know. <laughs> now, I'm pretty sure I've never won Splendor, but if I have, it's like once and by accident. Yeah. No. But, um, well, what a beautiful game. <laughs> It's a spectacular game. I, I, I like. I, I, I love. I mean, the. I don't know. I, you know, part of my problem is, is that I tend to when I'm playing a game like that, I tend to build very long term, and I'm trying to amass like a machine that will not trigger until three days later, um, <laughs> after I've played the game. If I continue at the path I'm going right now, you know, and yeah. Th- it's but games need to end you know <laughs> and and i'm constantly aiming for a game that's going to end five hours from now it's never going to work you know what i end up uh, pulling out oftentimes is uh i, I know you gotta jump end up jumping to micro games anyways one of my favorite games is three dragon ante i don't know if you got a chance to play that um Dungeons i'm not dragons, familiar with that one Dra- Dungeons the dragons made this game and then like pushed it as being like a, oh and if you're ever at a tavern you could play some three dragon ante it's like Thanks, TSR. I'll play this game you made for me. It's a card game. It's going to be great. Everybody's going to have a good time. And it turns out it's an excellent game. Like, I love how this game plays out. It's, man, I'm trying to remember exactly what's going on. I have to pull out the rules to get everything that's in the game. But there's there's definitely the process of, like, making... So, like, you're trying to build a best hand, but you're also playing dragons from your hand, you're playing cards from your hand, and each time you play a card, it has an effect on the game. Like, if I play a Black Dragon, I steal coins from somebody somebody else's side, but I'm also getting rid of my best cards. So you're trying to make a best flight, and at the same exact time, you're trying to manipulate the board. Um, and it's just this great little game that doesn't take up that much space. The Emperor's Gambit Box, also, if, if anybody gets that one, I'd suggest getting, it's a standalone expansion in a sense. 
but like the box itself is a little bit of magic because it's just cardboard, but it like clicks open and clicks close. I don't know how many times I've clicked this box open and close. You're like, check this out. This is awesome. It's just a little tab. It just fits perfectly. I, I cannot explain it, but it, it it's, it's just a, a perfectly built uh, little game and it goes right inside. I have a, I have a quiver. Uh, that you normally hold uh, Magic the Gathering cards in. I've been trying to make a uh, micro game quiver out of it so I can just sling it across my back and go someplace with it. Um, <laughs> I need to get a fake artist. Some big heavy duty magnets in there and it'll just yeah. snap right <laughs> You may I never need... get the, it'll just rip the cardboard when you go to open it, but hey, it worked once. <laughs> yeah. I, I need to get a fake artist to go to New York inside my quiver because a party game micro game is a, is, is a definite boon. I'm, I'm, I'm slowly. I, I, I can't say enough good things about three. See, I'm going to say this. I'd be like, this is a great game. And then everybody ends up playing. It's like, this guy is full of. Uh... <laughs> hey, you know, I mean, it is what it is. Everybody has a game which they love, which everybody else thinks is a terrible idea. And you have to drag them into it. I know I have a case full of uh, Marvel Legendary, the deck building game, with like all the expansions. And I have to drag people into playing this thing with me because it isn't fun. And I've I've come to accept this. <laughs> well, I, I think what made me laugh the most about that game was it was like a game by Upper Deck, and I'm like the baseball card company. The funny thing is, is when they made their Legendary Aliens and Legendary Predator, those are actually fun games. They figured out how to make it fun, and the answer was partially to get rid of the because uh, Marvel Legendary has a mechanic where we're all working together to beat the villain, but also we're trying to make the most points. So the players are kind of, there's a best winner. And oftentimes that causes sabotage at the table. And some people, sometimes you get some players who are just like, well, if I'm not going to win, then I'm going to make everyone else lose. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. Like if you play a cooperative board game and somebody starts doing that, you kick them out of your house. But also they did that. <laughs> So it's it's tough, uh, and uh, I I think that's where that game suffers the most. But the you play uh, legendary aliens though, we're all working together, and the aliens are kind of creeping up the field, and we're trying to shoot them all down. It's 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 a much nicer experience, um, <laughs> and feels like you're playing the movie out. But yeah, no, uh, that my you do you always shout at the end. It's game over, man. It's yeah, game over. I... <laughs> I mean, if you're not, you're missing the opportunity every time you play. Yeah. <laughs> I need to, you're right. I should actually just have that as a sound file. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Good old Bill Paxton. I, I don't have hidden gems or I, or guilty pleasures. I think all my games are guilty pleasures on some level or another. <laughs> if somebody asked me for a guilty pleasure, I wouldn't even know where to start. I'm like, yeah. I have so many games that like. I'll, I'll tell you the one game that I can get the most people to hate me for having played is Nomic, which isn't even a game. Um, it's it's not something you buy on board shel- uh, board game shelves. It's it's a it's a philosophic it's a philosopher's game from the 1980s, which roughly comes down to we go around in turns, and one person de- decides upon a rule, and we all vote on it. And then the next person decides upon a rule, and we all vote on it. And the idea is is at some point in time, someone's going to win at the end of this game, um, and it all just becomes about manipulating rules and democracy. And I find the game fascinating. And everybody, like, I just want to sit there and argue with people all night long. And everybody else is just like, this is terrible. We're all just yelling at each other. I'm like, I know. Isn't that great? <laughs> isn't that basically what Super Fight is? <laughs> Roughly. There's a, it is, it is very much like a long car drive sort of game. It's games like that. Games like Mao, which we're, uh. Two people know the rules to the game, but like everybody else at the table doesn't, and they have to figure out as we play the game how the game works. I love <laughs> seeing those pull out, but I, I'm really, really, uh, I feel bad by the time we get to the end because obviously I've just spent this entire time having a bunch of friends be confused and be like, "What, what are we even doing? What, what is this game playing?" The out? last time I go to that guy's house, <laughs> really? <laughs> These are the games game I pull pass. out. These are the games I pull out only for the people I trust. <laughs> I would never do that to somebody on 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 the first time you came to board game night. Um, but yeah, uh, where are we? Where are we? Where are we right now? <laughs> <laughs> 
You know, I'm used to actually conducting the interview as part of the problems. Hey, there you go. I mean, you can ask me questions. It's, I mean, it's my podcast. We can do whatever we want. Yeah, sure. Well, what uh, I'm sure you've you've I can't use your questions though because you <laughs> you've answered these multiple times in your own show. I'm sure many times over. <laughs> I mean, I answer a lot of them a lot of the times. Yeah. I mean, if you go back and listen, you'll hear a lot of the same stories because I don't have a lot. I, I guess I mean I don't know. I have a lot of stories. So <laughs> you like what you like. That's the whole entire right. point. So you're gonna keep saying this. I ask you what you like. You you repeat it another time. So Kickstarter, you uh, one of my other my last question here um, that I usually ask. Oh no, shoot, we skipped the color question. What color do you have to be when you play? Oh, I play purple. I I'm purple. All in purple. Well, you love been, my game. Yeah, that they, that's the color that's always set aside. Nobody wants purple. No, so purple's in my game because it's my son's favorite color, and we were making the game, and my business partner and I were like, you know, we need four colors. I'm like, was well, gotta be red. Cause I, I like to play as red. Right. Tammy's like, I don't really care. And I'm like, well, it's, you know, and then my, I'm like, but my son was like a big play tester of our game. When we were, when we were doing it, his favorite color is purple. So we went purple. And I think the other two are blue and yellow in the base game, which made my friend mad because his favorite color is green, but you have to buy the expansion that, or the extension that goes to five and six player to get the green. So, and I didn't really realize how possessive people, <laughs> People can get over their colors. Yeah. Oh, no, absolutely. Yeah. I've sold the extension just because the person won the green houses. I'm like, I'll just, you know, this is my, I'll just give you the green houses if that's all you want. I, I no, you got, you got it the right call there. You, you, in your main game, you never put blue and green together is the actual key point. And one, because a lot of people like blue, most people, blue is the number one color, but also a lot of people like green, but blue, green color blindness is a very big thing. Um, nope, I so agree. avoiding that as much as possible is, is ideal. So as a board game designer, there's actually a Kickstarter or not Kickstarter. There's a Facebook group, uh, that's dedicated to board game design, colorblind help. And so you can kind of get your game together and then say, Hey, can you, you know, is this colorblind friendly? And that's one of the, another, not to keep going back to how great ticket to write is. Yeah. But Ticket to Ride does such a great job with that between the colors, all the cards are different, and then they put the little symbol not only on the card, but also on the space out on right. the board. Right. And so there's all kinds of help on that one. Every and, every time I don't see some something to help the colorblind people, I get a little bit confused because I, I just would have figured somewhere in the editing process somebody would have caught that. But it, it, it so commonly comes up. I say this at the same exact time. I don't know anybody who has a problem with it. But I know it's so common, you know? Yeah. It's it's one of those things like, uh, it's one of those things that ever, when you review enough games, it it, it it pops up. And I know I've done that. It, like another thing that it would always catch me is when I see no flavor text in the rule book. And I'm like, come on, guys. You could have come up with a paragraph. <laughs> that's, kind of, that's kind of a <laughs> sticking point between me, this extrovert crazy guy, and my business partner is like this introvert engineer yeah. and so for him rules are like rule one rule two rule three yeah yeah, rule yeah, yeah, yeah. our rule books are great they're the rules are very well yeah <laughs> yeah no, no. but you need to throw some flavor in there Maybe a little sidebar a little something tells me like oh is a quote from somebody like from your world that's that's all i need i don't need you to go <laughs> off and make a whole story for me i'm not gonna read a whole story <laughs> i just want to feel like there's a bigger world going on that's an yeah. rpg i'm not here to play an rpg that's one of fence and some animals <laughs> <laughs> like I, I like get bit where they're like you're a robot swimming in the ocean why who cares <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the most ridiculous flavor text ever yeah uh, right. i'm a ro- i'm a robot swimming in the ocean do i have to worry about the amount of rust i'm taking on no okay that no no the shark point. will eat you long before the rust gets you <laughs> <laughs> is it a robot shark like what's going on here <laughs> oh man so Kickstarter, are you a uh, backer or just a creator? Not, not too often. I don't back too often, but uh, there's occasional projects pop up and I happen to spot them. I, most recently, I don't know if you've noticed, uh, there's a, a YouTube channel by name uh, that, that's been playing Um Actually, which is a game show in which Mike Trapp acts as host and he says something really nerdy about nerd culture. He's like talks about like star Wars and explains all the bounty hunters. And at some point in time, someone has to ring in and say like, um, actually 
Boba Fett actually came from the planet. Yada yada. Like actually know the the super specific nerdy thing that's actually in the thing that's wrong and the set thing he said, which includes a bunch of comments that sound so absurd that they must be wrong, but those are the right things. Anyhow, <laughs> I'm actually is making a board game right now. It's like a home version of the game, so I'm I'm already back. I backed that in one minute. Um, <laughs> uh. I, I wish I did back more on, on, on Kickstarter, but truth is I just I'm I'm poor. <laughs> I am I, because I, I'm poor because I back a lot of Kickstarter. Back a lot of Kickstarter. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a great thing. It's a, you know, and it is kind of a slippery slope that once you start going down it, you know, it just you just kinda of keep going. And then, you know, with when COVID hit, that was kind of a an an interesting thing because games kind of halted and a lot of and then like when they would get shipped and they would get stuck in ports and so things 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 seem to be moving smoother but the timelines are pushed way out if you're going right. through coming right. from the from China right right because because all of our stuff has become low priority compared to like soybeans and 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 whatnot there uh what's your over under on success rate when it comes to kickstarters that you've backed N- not talking about whether or not the game is uh, good or not because that's another problem altogether but so i try to not necessarily always back winners Mm. most of mine do go but the ones that don't i then because i had a really interesting i think's the word Mm. uh flavorful maybe experience with our game on kickstarter and i've been trying to reach out to other designers uh, but I try to reach out to these other backers where I feel like I can help them and say, hey, you know, I backed your thing. I, I saw it didn't go. Do you want to talk and meet? I had, you know, I've got some ideas, some suggestions. And then I've also kind of built a crew here in St. Louis that I bring in too. that. So I'm a member of the board game, St. Louis Board Game Design Alliance or Board Game Meetup or whatever we call ourselves. I don't know. A uh, bunch of bunch of board game nerds get together and we discuss board game design. We play test each other's games, give feedback. That I mean, it's a great group of guys. And so one of the guys in there, he and he kind of had this idea. And so I've been kind of funneling. I keep my eye open for a lot of Kickstarters. And when I see games that I feel like this game has something, it's just not marketing right. It's not. Mm-hmm. You know, like one, like the game that, that I keep talking about lately is this game. I like the back of the print and play level too, you know, yeah. so I can pay yeah, yeah. five, pay five bucks, whatever. And I still get your game and I've got plenty of dice and plenty of whatever. But this game, it was like 200 dice and the print and play was like five bucks. I'm like, man, I don't have 200 dice sitting around. <laughs> to, to play. And it had to be like 40 of this color, 40 of this color. And I'm like, there has to, you know, but the game were they all fun. D6s too? Or was it like a nice broad mix or I'm pretty sure they were all D6s. Yeah. But the game seemed solid. And so I kind of send it to my buddy and I'm like, Hey, take a look at this. I think this is a, good opportunity to work with another gamer. So he's going to have a meeting with him this week. So I, to answer your question is, you know, I have a really good success rate because, but the ones that don't, that don't hit nowadays, they don't hit. And I try to reach out to them and help them. Uh, I'm working on a book that kind of the trials and tribulations of making our game. Mm. That's a story in and of itself, just kind of going that with that and so trying to help these other smaller manufacturers or smaller publishers get their game to market we've been pretty successful helping getting one guy so far that we met with reworked it pushed it back out and it's it's going to succeed so we're trying to trying to build off that build that momentum and and try to help push some people to success just because i want to see more games out there and i want to see these smaller publishers succeed uh, and not always just have it be some big giant. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's an interesting, it's an interesting model. We'll see how Kickstarter keeps going in the coming years with game found now kind of pushing itself out there as like the new Kickstarter. And so we'll see if that, what that does. 
I can't remember where I was reading it. It might have been Wired or something like that. But like they were talking about how like the board game market has has been shifting because of Kickstarter with a real problem of being like all the expansions are coming out all at once now because they're all being part of like the stretch goals and that we aren't getting a chance to play a game, wait six months, see what was wrong with it because the community had a chance to respond to it and then proceed to put out a new expansion. So you nailed it. Uh, so we did Fences, got some feedback, and we've been kicking around some ideas. We had a, a handful of expansion ideas for the game when we created Fences, but we wanted to just get the base core game done yeah, and out to people. And then we listened, took some feedback, took some ideas, and started working those. And then we came up with, the ranch as an expansion pack for the game and i want to say we launched eight months to a year later kind of fuzzy after 2020 throwing my entire idea of what time is right uh and it was a it bombed right because people don't know what you're talking about i mean on kickstarter the general mass audience you know yeah and so we learned a lot again i learned a lot I've learned so much. And what do they say? You know, you learn from bad, you learn from your mistakes. And, you know, I've learned a lot from hard knocks. So I'm hoping to, we got two games in development right now that we're hoping to push out this year. The ranch is still kind of on the back burner, but we realized a lot of the mistakes we made with that game and, and what we did wrong with the marketing. We're working with some marketing companies now trying to both as, twofold right trying to work as the company and my podcast and then also trying to work as a board game to kickstarter so it's kind of two different marketing strategies that we're trying to get moving so Mm. it's been a lot of fun and a lot of uh, a lot of learning yeah yeah well that's 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 the way you move forward right you keep learning that's right so if people wanted to reach out to you john michael how could they do that uh, well, the uh, best way, if you're trying to get in touch, if they if they want to check out my blog, they can find me find me at dial D for DM. It's D I A L D number four DM dot com. But if they're looking for winning streak, the Kickstarter is going on right now when we're releasing this episode. Uh, the yep. fastest way to get that to that is winningstreakbook.com. It's going to redirect people directly to the Kickstarter when the Kickstarter is no longer active. Winningstreakbook.com is still going to exist. And it's going to be taking up emails so that someday when the book ends up on Amazon, I can send an email list out to people or redirect people to Amazon. So that that website will always work. So that's that's that game plan. And then you want to check out Say Hello to Blackjack, just type Say Hello to Blackjack in your computer. I'll probably come up. If you want to check out my uh, movie streaming show by the name of Popcorn Roulette, go to popcornroulette.org. And uh, we watch a bunch of uh, fun movies there. I'm on YouTube as well. That's where you probably would end up watching my stuff. But yeah, no, I, I jump around in projects. I could keep going. They get less interesting after a while. <laughs> I, I, under, I understand. Like, I always joke that somebody's like, when do you have time for all, you know, you you know, with all this? I'm like, man, I'm ADD. The more stuff I have to do, the better. Oh, the, more that, focus, that is, the focused I can be. That is how I work. I bounce around. And then I, when I was in my 20s, I'd fail to produce. Now that I've got a bit more maturity in my hand, I know I need to bounce around in projects that will finish, you know? So mm-hmm. there's there's a big difference between the way I operate, you know, the past seven to 10 years, let's say, <laughs> and the way I used to operate back then, where I'd be like writing scripts for comic books that would go out to episode three and then drop it and then just do something else, you know? Um, like, I don't do that sort of thing anymore. I make sure I finish my projects. But, you know, I'm also too long-term, <laughs> like I said. And I, I'll end up, my project will be finished in, like, 20, 30 years. I'll be long dead by that point or whatnot. So It'll be somebody else's problem, then. It'll be somebody else's problem. <laughs> the internet will change completely, and we'll all be, like, downloading stuff directly into our microchips behind our cere- uh, cerebellum. So, I think they made a movie about that with Keanu Reeves and Dolph Lundgren. <laughs> Johnny Mnemonic is what the name of the movie was. Oh man, Johnny! I know you're trying to wrap up. (laughs) We're going to go into the entire cyberpunk genre from the 1990s right now. I just loved how uh, Dolph Lundgren's credited as Street Preacher. That's the name of his character. 
That that's spectacular. Um, I, I I will just say I've been playing Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven right now, <laughs> and I'm very pleased that the game decided that the world of Cyberpunk twenty twenty happened, and like there was a divergence in timelines from like nineteen ninety from the role playing original role playing game, and just said nope. Whatever it thought the world would be like in twenty twenty, it was. It was totally all that. <laughs> like, that happened. The cyberpunk world of twenty twenty already happened, and we're now just forty years in the future because it doesn't make sense now. Um, <laughs> but yeah, off of off the subject. Back. To the, <laughs> hey, that's that closing words. <laughs> so before we before I go, I want to say you know get on the Kickstarter, back the book. The PDF is only like five bucks. Yeah. But uh, every time I back a book at PDF, I always regret it. And so I highly recommend backing it at the color level, the color glossy paperback, carback, take your pick. Yeah. Um, I highly recommend backing at the color level. There's a lot of pictures. Hopefully we'll get more pictures based on the stretch goals. Yep. I also just want to draw attention to the top line is like, this is like, Board game history meets bathroom reader. Who doesn't love the old Uncle Johnny's bathroom reader? So this was very reminiscent of reading those old books. So I, I did. I like I said, I plowed through this book in about a day and a half, and I kind of want to go back and reread it. And because there's a lot of fun anecdotes in there that you know, like I said, I read it so fast that I didn't have time to really let them soak in. Mm. It's a great read. I highly recommend it. It's it's one of my you know, like you said, it's a great book. Just kicking around board games. Like, why not? Yeah. And as usual, you can reach me on Facebook at facebook.com slash eat lunch and board game or email me at eat lunch and board game at gmail.com. And remember, board games build bridges. Stay in tune with all things sports around Indiana and the nation with the Crash Course Podcast. Each week, we tackle the big storylines from the world of the Colts, Pacers, and the Indiana College scene, while also keeping a pulse on the nation. We record live weekly at twitch.tv slash 3C Media, and can be found on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever podcasts can be heard, you can catch the Crash Course Podcast. When you're gaming, why not be comfy? Go over to supportplayer.org. Click on the cards, pieces, and dice to get some merch. These t-shirts are some of the most comfortable I have ever worn. That's supportplayer.org, and there's a link on eatlunchandboardgame.com.